Years ago, there was a breakthrough in the AIDS epidemic. What was happening is mothers were passing AIDS to their children in childbirth, and a drug came out. A drug that if they took right before they gave birth made it so that when they traveled through the birth canal, the child didn't get AIDS. That is such a beautiful picture of this concept. See, the concept is we are born into the world and and just by being born, we have this with us because of what our ancestors have done. We have fallen short of this. But we don't have a miracle pill that we can give a child, but God did do something even more miraculous than a pill for AIDS. He sent us Christ. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host for this show, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. We are right in the middle of a series called Ephesians Part 1, where we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Yeah, you guessed it right. We're going to be in Ephesians for a while. Uh, just giving you a warning. Um, I wanted to share with you, I usually share this on the back of the podcast, but I wanted to share it at the front. Um, if you're if you're really engaged with this, would you subscribe to it? Would you share it with somebody? Um, especially in this time, our lobby as a church, um, our front door is all online, right? That's all we can do. We can't meet together in person. So the internet and the ways that we're putting this content out is the way that people can find out about us and the more importantly the way that people are able to experience the gospel during this time so please if you're if you're uh, engaging with us whether that's on facebook or youtube or our website or the podcast please share it with somebody and subscribe to it because um, that's the best way that we can uh, the best thing that we can do to promote community as a body of believers during this time so here's nathan enjoy the message Hey, everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you are here. If you're new, could you let us know by putting it in the comments and just saying, I'm new, or you can fill out a connect card. That's a great way to connect with us. In fact, some of you are here because someone else shared this. I want to encourage you right now to share it. It may not seem like it makes a big difference, but we know people who have come because someone shared it and have accepted Christ or have gotten into a small group because of what you do. So do me a favor, take just a moment and share it. It makes more of a difference than you know. See, we've been having a digital lobby before and after, and I want to include you in that. So if you have any prayer requests, we would love for you to join us afterwards as our staff pray with you and are there with you in this really uncertain times. And before we go any further, I have one more thing I want to talk about. Before the recording of last week's message, many of you saw the video of Ahmad Arbery and his murder. And as pastors, it's important for us to speak about these matters because they do matter. On the Now page, you can see some of the conversations we've already had. At Table Talk Thursday, the very next day, we were able to have a conversation with our pastors. And then on Monday of this last week, we were able to have a conversation with all of our life churches. Now, for some of you, that's kind of interesting. What are we talking about? Before I tell you that, I would encourage you to go on the Now page and to get on our podcast and to listen to these. These are important conversations that are going to help drive us forward. But you may not know that we have a bunch of life churches, leaders who have the same heart and the same vision that as a network, we can do things that other people can't. And I find that this discussion is such a great time together. So I encourage you to check that out. Man, we are in a unique time. 
I mean, it, it is something that is kind of bizarre and weird. Our world is kind of messed up. And maybe you missed the hype, but Netflix just debuted a little while ago, Tiger King, right at the beginning of all this. I talked about it because it's, it's blowing my mind. Within 10 days, it pulled three, uh, 34 million unique views, and the number just keeps going up. Why do I share this? Well, Tiger King was a bit of a train wreck. Not that it was a badly done, but that the people in it were a bit of a train wreck. It was like a masterpiece of a bizarro craziness that debuted at the perfect time. What do I mean? This is the only thing I could find that felt more weird and more bizarre than the current reality of sheltering in place. It was something that could only have been as good at that time. A life that is so weird to watch. It was a masterpiece, a piece of work full of pieces of work, if you know what I mean. The show came at just the right time. What if I told you you were just like Tiger King? No, you aren't Carol Baskins or Joe Exotic or some of the crazy characters on that. Um, I mean, you are a piece of work. We're real people, right? And all of us have got our issues but what if I told you that you came at just the right time? You personally are here on this world for just this moment. In fact, I would say you were made for what comes next. Our world is changing significantly, and you, you were made for what comes next. In this message, I want to show you that, to show you that you were made for this pandemic and how this change changes everything. I want to help you make some decisions that will allow how God has equipped you and made you in this season to come out. But what does that mean? You were made for this season, for what comes next. We're going to unpack that, and I hope that you'll journey with me on that. But one warning before we go any further is that you can get stuck in the past and you can get distracted by comfort and achievement, and this will keep you from experiencing this. Let me say it this way. Get stuck in the past, and you will miss God's plan for your now. If you get stuck in the past, you will miss God's plan for your now. Kodak tried to keep physical print alive. They got stuck in the past, and now they effectively don't exist. Blockbuster could have purchased Netflix for a tiny amount, but got stuck in the past, and now Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. And they got stuck they got stuck in what was. Now, we like to ask questions, intentional questions that we'd love for you to comment on or maybe even write down later if you're watching this later. But the first question I have for you is this. What does it feel like when you are stuck? Don't you hate being stuck? You know what I'm talking about? Like stuck in a rut or you can't move forward or stuck in your house. Anyone know what I'm talking about right now? Man, if we could hear you in person, you'd be saying stuff like, amen, preach it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm assuming you're doing that. I'm just assuming it. But getting stuck, it's terrible. Getting stuck on how things used to be, man, this is a trap. Stuck in church, about family, work, the world. When you get stuck on those things, it's stealing your now. Did you know that? It's stealing your effectiveness now. And no one wants to be stuck. And you weren't made to be stuck. Say this with me. You were made for what comes next. Say next, right? Say you were made for what comes next. You were. I hope you start to believe this more and more. So you were chosen for something. And in Ephesians, the series that we're in is about being chosen in 
Christ. That in our relationship with Christ, we were chosen for something. And we're learning about what God was saying through Paul to the Ephesian church. And through this letter that we have, what he's saying to us centuries later. God wasn't surprised by what plagued the Ephesians. Like last week, we talked about the divide between the Gentiles and the Jews. He wasn't surprised by that. He wasn't surprised by the issues of the day in Ephesus. And God wasn't surprised that this pandemic was coming. So this letter has something to say for us. In the beginning, it's going to show us the sinful condition of those who received it, which is us, of our past existence, what we struggled with, what all of humanity struggles with. And he's speaking specifically to the Gentiles right now. So I'm going to move fast for the, through these first couple of scriptures. The good news is you'll be able to go back to it later if you're watching live or you can even pause it. And I encourage you to do that. In fact, we're encouraging you to read Ephesians, to memorize parts of it. If you're not reading through this, you're going to miss so much. Our, our job is to bring it to life, but your job is to sit with it. So I encourage you to do that. We're going to be in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 at the beginning here. So this is what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Wow, starting off hot. In which you used to live, okay, used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ways the world works right now, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This part here is talking about how Satan is at work and those who don't know God, that he rules the airwaves. But I want to focus here. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. We learn that we were dead. For those of us who know Christ, we were dead. Dead, indifferent to the things of God, unable to sense it. The word is necros or necrotic is the word we get from that. Necrotic is this idea of something that's wasting away. When I think of this every single time, I think of my brother-in-law who had cancer at a young age and so had to take chemotherapy. And because he was young and he was still forming, he broke down a little bit and he had necrosis in his hips, meaning his hips at the ripe old age of 20 started to fall apart so he couldn't even walk. That's necrosis, this wasting away. He had to have double hip replacement. He's doing all right now, but my goodness, this dead word is powerful. We were dead spiritually. We were dead inside, falling apart, wasting away because of these transgressions and sins. Two different words to describe one concept. But transgressions is something that's maybe easier for you to understand. You stepped over your limit. We've crossed a line. We did something we shouldn't have, and it's wronged ourselves or other people. And the just thing for us is to be corrected and disciplined. And because we have done these things, we are dead. Okay, great start. Let's keep going in verse 3. What does it say next? It says this, All of us also lived among them at one time. Now, what he's talking about is saying, like, we used to be like the Gentiles and we used to be like that, but all of us were in the same place, but now something is different. And what were we doing? Gratifying the cravings of the flesh, an interesting word there, and following its, the flesh's desires and thoughts. Okay, this is an interesting concept. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Deep stuff. I want to talk about flesh. What is the flesh? What does he mean here? It's the urges of our body, of course, like hunger, but it's also the desires 
of our hearts. It's our needs, the things that motivate us and drive us, the need to fulfill our needs or the things we think are needs. It's a drive to have comfort. It's the, what drives us to have stuff, safety, more, more, more. Love, sex, it's our primal desires. That's flesh, but it's necrotic. It's broken. It's not right. And for those who don't know God, the flesh, it dominates them. We learn in other places that it owns them. They're a slave to its desires. And for those of us who know Christ, we've been set free from that, but we used to be a slave to him, slave to it. And the problem is often it creeps back in. It's a fight every day to live in victory. The second half is important, by nature deserving of wrath. Because we live in this brokenness, we deserve wrath, retribution. Hard thing to hear. There's a, a Latin term, damnosa hereditas, Damnosis hereditas. And it sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. I assure you it's not. It means that we're deserving of something, that we inherited something upon the death of someone, right? You inherited something. And, and when you think of inheritance, you're like, awesome. No, no, no. It's like inheriting debt, inheriting damnation. And when we were born into this world, we inherited damnation. That's a really hard thing to say and to hear. But what does it mean? Let me explain it this way. Years ago, there was a breakthrough in the AIDS epidemic. And one of the breakthrough wasn't just on how to treat it, and, and we're years ahead of it now, but it was very scary back then. But, but something has changed. See, what was happening is mothers were passing AIDS to their children in childbirth, and a drug came out. A drug that if they took right before they gave birth made it so that when they traveled through the birth canal, the child didn't get AIDS. That is such a beautiful picture of this concept. See, the concept is we are born into the world and, and just by being born, we have this with us because of what our ancestors have done. We have fallen short of this. But we don't have a miracle pill that we can give a child, but God did do something even more miraculous than a pill for AIDS. He sent us Christ. That is showing us all of who he is. All of these passages here, it's showing us that you, you're a piece of work, that I'm a piece of work. Everybody, you look at your spouse right now. Go ahead, look at them and say, you're a piece of work. Go for it. You know, you can say it as, as, as much as you want to. Children, say it to your parents. Say, you're a piece of work. And then, you know, whatever they want to do back to you is totally fine because they're your parents and you shouldn't talk to them like that, really. But, but look at this. We're all pieces of work. And he spends this whole time being like, you're messed up. You're jacked up but but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved let's stay here for just a moment he's setting something up to remind us and then he's showing something and he puts this huge big but at the beginning of it. Before we go any farther, I want to recognize that this is one of the most important buts in all of the Bible. And this is Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel said, this is the most important, the biggest but in all of the Bible. And that's him. That's on him. I didn't say it. He said it. But it's true. He's saying that all of this flesh and brokenness was except for Christ. 
We were made alive in him. We were dead, and he made us alive. My second question to you is this. What does it mean to be alive in Christ? What does it mean to be alive in Christ? What does it mean to be alive? Maybe you don't know Christ yet. That's okay. Ask this. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be alive in Christ? He's reminding us that Christ paid for that debt. Those transgressions and sins, they had a cost and they had to be paid. We could not pay it, and so he paid it for us. He took the correction on himself. He took all of that in a moment and died on a cross and paid for it. And in that moment, we went from death to life. See, a zombie, we were like walking dead. A zombie walking through this world, right? What does a a zombie want? Well, it depends on the myriad of zombies we have now, but originally it was brains, right? And what they would do to get brains was anything. They had one singular focus. They were driven by it. In the same way we are driven by our flesh. We can't stop. Our primal urges is to go, and like a zombie, we'll go through anyone and hurt anyone and hurt any part of ourselves because we are driven by the flesh, But now, now we're driven by something different. We're driven by new life. We are rejuvenated. Not only that, but he did something else. He also raised us up with Christ in Ephesians 6, 7. And God, he didn't just save us. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He raised us up, given spiritual blessings. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, the spiritual blessings we have, that we need to stop trying to achieve them, but we need to awaken what Jesus has already done for us. You can go and check that out online and watch any of the other messages because they each keep building on each other. That's how a letter works. That's how a book of the Bible works. It builds on each other. And he's reminding us to wake up to the blessing we've received in Christ. Week one, I pleaded with you to awaken to this wonder. And today I'm reminding you of it for a purpose. It's right here. In order that. In order in order that. This phrase begins to indicate to you that there was a purpose in all of this, not just in why he wrote it, but there's a purpose for you in Christ. What? He wants to express the riches of his grace and kindness expressed in us, that he wants to express it in us so other people can see it, that he wants to bring himself glory in us. All of this is in order that he wants to shine through you. Say with me, this. You were made for what comes next. Point in a random person in the room or wherever you're at, look them dead in the eyes and say, you were made for what comes next. Like do the big bug eyes, freak them out a little bit. Make sure it sinks in deep. You were made. You, the person who just said, not me, you were made for what comes next in order that. Now, if you need to take a breath, breathe. Because we're going to move on to what's important that I share with you today. But all of it leads up to this. Take a moment. Just breathe for a second. Now listen to what I have to say. Listen to what the word of God has to say in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith by believing in Jesus Christ. And this is not from yourselves. You didn't achieve it. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one 
can boast. And then he lays out what is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, the one I memorized first, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. This is what I wanted you to see. This is what I wanted to share with you today. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. That, that, that word handiwork, it's been translated masterpiece, piece of work, his workmanship, poema. Let me explain it this way. Okay, so Michelangelo is like one of the best sculptors of all time. And he didn't use tools like this. They were much more refined. And, and his works of art still uh, exist today. And he would take stone and he would pull it apart and make these beautiful, timeless things. And he said this, every block of stone has a statue inside of it. And it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. When I think about sculpting, when I think about masterpiece, and I think about me, I don't equate them. I don't go, oh, I am a masterpiece. Or maybe I, I struggle with the idea of like, I'm not some painting that's just hung on the wall. I, I'm a living and I'm breathing and I'm moving. See, God is sculpting you. You are his masterpiece. He made you, and he is transforming you in Christ and redeeming you. Not just to be a piece of art in a museum, but fashioning you into a tool, a tool for his kingdom, a tool to be used by him. Now, I want to move on right here to the good works. To do good works. God has prepared you to do something. Did you know that you have a role? that you have a job to do, that you better see it through, that God had a plan for you to do actual practical things, that it wasn't just random. He has something for you to do. And not only that, he prepared it in advance, that he has chosen you in Christ to do things which he prepared in advance, meaning he knew where you would be today. He, would know, he knew what you would be doing in this very moment. This word, prepared in advance, and good works, they're, they're deep, and we can only spend a, a few moments on them. But I want you to know, to do good works, it refers to a duty, something that you have a job to do, something to be accomplished. It's not some random thing. It is assignment from God. And so I want to remind you once more, well, not once more, I'm going to keep saying this, you were made for what comes next. You were made from what comes next. God knew so much. He knew everything and still does. God was not surprised by the per persecution of the early church. He wasn't surprised by the issues in Ephesus. He wasn't surprised about how history would progress. And he wasn't surprised by your past. He knew it was going to happen. He is not surprised that you are here right now. And he was not surprised by 2020. Who here can say that? Nobody. We thought the Australian wildfires would be the worst thing, like little baby koalas. We're like, ah, oh, they're dying. Oh, we had no idea. And then Kobe Bryant died. And we're like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And then COVID hit. And then murder hornets. It's a thing. And whatever else 2020 has for us, like I don't know what it's going to bring. Sniper monkeys? I don't understand. At this point, anything's on the table. Only God. He wasn't surprised by any of it. He wasn't surprised. 
And in fact, he knew you would be here for such a time as this. And he's prepared things for you to do. That kind of blows my mind. My heart for you is that you would engage, that you would be an active participant in what comes next and that you wouldn't miss out. Some of us are trying to just survive. I'm saying don't miss out on what God is about to do, that he has something for you. You were made in Christ to join in this ministry of the cross, to be kindness and glory and riches and mercy and joy. He chose you to do that. This week, I sent a video to a young man who was celebrating his 16th birthday, and we're in sheltering places, a man from the past, a young man growing up, and I meant something to him, and so I recorded a video encouraging him, and I told him a lot of what I'm telling you right now, but I got off of that video, and I realized something. If God made me for this season to be the lead pastor of this church, to be the husband, to be the father, to be who I am right now, then then he's made our children for what comes next. Do you realize that? That should give you some comfort. It also should get you excited that he's made each of them a masterpiece uniquely designed for this time, not for 200 years ago, for now. Right when everything is changing, he has made your children for times like this. You are a masterpiece, God's handiwork, I am a masterpiece, God's handiwork. But if you get stuck in the past, you will miss God's plan for your now. This is a warning. This is the reality. He has things for you to do, but you can miss them. If we get stuck, we'll always just be pieces of work instead of his handiwork. Or... You can be a master tool of God's glory on earth, or you could just be a tool. You ever heard it said, I want to be a craftsman? Uh, a craftsman, what is that? Oh, a tool guaranteed for life, right? That's <laughs> uh, the dad joke of the day. Now, I guarantee that you're going to be a tool, or you're going to be a tool for God. The choice, ironically, is up to you. So you can get stuck in the past. How do you get stuck in the past? What are the two ways? I'm just going to share two ones as we wrap up. Two things that you can get stuck in. You can get stuck in the past through nostalgia. Now, many can't enjoy the new Star Wars movies, you know, because I grew up on Star Wars. I, I loved it. I watched it. I wore those VHS tapes out, and people are like, what's that? Look it up. You'll find out later. It's really old stuff. Anyways, so I, I, I like, wore them out. And when the new movies came out, I was just excited that there were movies, that there was more of Star Wars. I thought Star Wars would be done for good. And they were, they were okay, they were okay. But what I've noticed with these new ones is that there are people sitting in the audience that are so in love with the old Star Wars and it doesn't look exactly like that and it doesn't feel exactly like that. In fact, it can't because nostalgia shows us that it never was what you thought it was. You made it better than what it was. But we're not even going to talk about that. They're so distracted by what was that they can't experience that they get more Star Wars. Many of us keep looking back at the way things were in church. And we can't experience what God is doing now. Many of us look at the way things used to be in our family and we get stuck remembering the good times and missing how God wants to use you now. 
We're trying to return to the past when God is always moving forward to the day when there is no more suffering or pain. And we get stuck. Why do we get stuck? Because we lose things. We lose people. We lose what we had. And we struggled so much to move from pews to regular chairs in a church. You know why? Because people like pews better than chairs. No, chairs are way more comfortable. Why did they want get, to not get rid of pews? Because in that pew, they watched their baby boy get baptized. It meant something to them. And so when those things change, there's a loss. And we need to mourn those losses. So that's the question I have for you right now. What are you mourning? What are you mourning the loss of? Do you even realize that you're mourning? Should you be? What are you mourning the loss of? Those are valid. Those things are important. But they can keep us get, being stuck. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a job or a business, the wedding we thought you were going to have, the performance that was canceled, the graduation and the graduation party that never happened. You know, many of us have fought so hard to get scholarships and to get the right grades to the Ivy League school, and we got in just for it to turn into the University of Phoenix online with bad tech support. It sucks. And it needs to be mourned. And it needs to be something that doesn't hold you behind. You could get stuck. That's your choice. And you could make disappointment and suffering keep you there. Or disappointment and suffering can lead you to something. And when you believe that God has something for you, you realize there's a purpose in everything that God brings us through. The second thing before we get to that, because I want to help you, is that you can get stuck in the past in your flesh. We talked about that, being a walking dead, being ruled by it. Some of us are still ruled by it because we don't know Christ. And some of us have let the old desires of the flesh creep back in. The need for comfort and for achievement, for security and safety. And, and when we are in this reality and those things are stripped away, we suddenly realize what we put our faith in. When the job you gain security from and your place in the community is gone, and the loss you feel is wrecking you, it's because perhaps you were letting it be where your safety and security was. So some of us, whether we like it or not, are, getting, are realizing that we've let some things creep in. Our marriage is the pressure cooker we're under right now. I'm not even going to talk about it. My mom told me that she wears an invisibility sweatshirt, which means that when she's wearing that, my dad can't talk to her or acknowledge her presence whatsoever. Like I, I coping mechanisms, right? I, I think that's great if that's what you've got to do. But like we're in this place where all of our, our hurts and brokenness are just getting pressure cooked. We're realizing that maybe some sin has crept back in. Maybe we've been gossiping for a while. Maybe we're hypercritical. Maybe we've been greedy. Maybe our health has gone to crap because we've never been taking care of ourselves or taking care of our souls. Maybe we've been coping with life by being busy or small addictions that all of a sudden they're becoming kind of big. And for Christians, we've been given freedom to leave those things behind, but often we go back to them in these moments and the Bible refers to it as a dog returning to its vomit. Now, you could feel shame in this moment, or you can realize that God is going to use this situation to transform you into something different. Now, there's a reason why I pulled these things out. Michelangelo, he had another quote that I think is amazing. 
He said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved and carved until I set it free. I believe that God has always seen the masterpiece inside of you and he's carving and carving until he sets it free. The problem is with the chisel. The problem is with a, a carving. It's painful. There's a visceral feel to when God comes in and he just starts breaking off the things that he doesn't want for you. Now, many of you don't even see the masterpiece in the mirror. It's hard for you to even see it, but realize that in this season, he's chipping away everything that's in the way. Maybe he had to take away that job. Maybe he had to reveal that there's some brokenness in your marriage. Maybe he had to question where you put your hope into. Maybe he's revealing how bitter you are and he's chipping it away, strike after strike. And if we think it's just pain, then we'll try to escape it. But if we realize that we have work to do and it's time to get about it, and that God is stripping away the things that keep people from seeing his masterpiece in each of us, we start to embrace it. And the struggle and the loss starts to mean something. It starts to have purpose. Now, often, sometimes we actually try to pick up the pieces that are on the floor, the pieces that have been chipped off of us and put them back on. It just doesn't work anymore because you've given yourself to God and he's transforming you. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Paul is asking and reminding you that you, you are workmanship. You are a piece of work, a masterpiece that God is continuing to reveal through every trial and every bit of suffering and pain. Could it be that God is using the suffering to reveal his glory in you? Could it be that he is making you into his perfect instrument for what is next? That he has a job for you to do? Now, I want to give you some practical action steps, some things for you to work on as we continue this journey. And the first thing is that I encourage you as a family or as a couple or by yourself to sit down tonight and write out a list of everything that's changed. Some of the things that you need to mourn. And some of the things that have changed because you didn't have a choice. But sit down tonight, whatever day it is, tonight, and make a list of all the changes that have happened to your family, at your work, at your home. I'm not limiting it. You can do as much as you want. Make a list of everything that's changed. And then, I want you to do these three things. Decide what needs to be kept. Decide what needs to be kept. There's some things to keep, some things that are good. I've, I've had dinner with my family almost every single night. I want to keep that. I've had family times in the Word and discussions and things that we just didn't have time for. I want to keep that. I, I love how we're intentionally celebrating people in crazy weird ways. Like, it's awesome. Maybe that's something you want to keep. Then you need to, decide what needs to be added. Some of you need to add a completely different work rhythm, you're realizing. Maybe you like what you're in right now or you absolutely hate it, but you're realizing through perspective and stepping back for a moment, something needs to change. 
So maybe you need to add a different work rhythm or you need to add working on your marriage or for some of you realizing what community really means. And you need to add to community by joining in a small group or, or having more intentional friends. And then finally, you need to decide what to remove. There are some things that need to be removed, some things that you can't do now then, and, or maybe you could do now, but it's time to remove them. Maybe sports needs to be left behind. It's a hard thing to say. Maybe the job you have needs to be left behind. The pace needs to change. Maybe you've been spending your money and time and effort on things that don't matter and you need to remove them. Maybe you have activities have taken you away from what God has prepared in advance for you to do. Those things can look as small as transforming your family or taking someone on and discipling them or inviting someone into your family's life or they can be big like changing your entire life to go after God in a new way. But there are some things that need to be removed and God is in the process of stripping away. I want you to know you were made for what is next. I believe it so much and I believe that God is going to reveal it to you as you look at what needs to change. How can you make a change if you don't look at what is happening in your life? So make a change right after this. Make a change. Do something different and see what only God can do. As we finish, we talked a lot about salvation or what this means to be saved by God, to be made alive in Christ. And I want to offer a moment for you we know that people are being transformed every single time that we get together. And this might be your turn. To leave behind the flesh and its desires and the brokenness and the death and to be made alive into something new. And if that's you, I want to pray with you right now. So if you could, you could close your eyes or you can look at me. It's okay. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head. And I'm going to pray, which is just talking to God. And if you want to, I'd encourage you to pray along with me to make it in your own words or, 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 or to, to say it out loud or, or put it in your heart. But it talks about faith, that we are saved by faith, and that means believing in Christ. And so I want to lead you in a prayer where you talk to God. Pray something like this. God, I'm broken. I've got brokenness in my life, and I can't pay for it. I can't make it right. I've even inherited things I didn't know I inherited. But Christ, but God in his love, sent his son. His son was a sacrifice for me so that I could be made alive, so that I can be given blessings I don't deserve, and so I could have purpose in the now for what comes next. So today I choose to believe in Jesus, to follow him, to give over control from my flesh and the world to him. And I will follow him into eternity and I will spend rest of forever finding out how much he loves me and how much I can worship and glorify him. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. 
If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org/now or fill out the form linked in the show notes, and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church online for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.